It is a phone booth fighting victory celebration, ladies and gentlemen. Frank Mir reigns victorious over Roy Big Country Nelson. And now joining us from a car full of kids somewhere en route to Disneyland is Frank Mir himself. Where are you, Frank? Yeah, we're just, uh, we're just barely getting out of Vegas and pulling over so we can talk. All right. Very good. Well, congratulations. It was uh, not only a victory... Huh? Oh, it, sorry, because you had to pause there. I said, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no. Well, I, were you excited? Were you and Zach uh, screaming? Or yes. You know, pretty much had it in the bag. No, no. Excited, because I'll tell you something. I was excited on two fronts. One, obviously, I wanted to wanted you to get a victory. But two, I, I'm like George Prepard in the A-team. I love it when a plan comes together. And I thought that was a perfectly executed game plan. I mean, really a victory within a victory when you see something uh, really come to fruition like that. So let's just start right there. Just just give me your thoughts on the fight, you know, what you had anticipated coming in and how you thought it turned out. And, you know, t take us inside your own mind for a second. I knew what Roy had, you know. Roy has a strong grappling background as far as positional uh, grappling. You know, I wasn't really worried about any submissions. Roy very rarely will ever uh, go for submission. Uh, uh, and, you know, we knew that he had the, the right hand. That's where his confidence really uh, beams from. I mean, 15 knockouts, and I think they've all been by the right hand. And so uh, uh, I knew that his left hook is not something he really likes to use because you know, you'd have to put and transvert weight back and forth and, and just different things he doesn't like to do. And uh, even his sparring, one thing I didn't let on, but I thought was going to be a very uh, prophetic uh, you know, statement was, you know, the game plan, right? Well, it's because I know that he only spars boxing. You know, he, he likes to spar just with his hands. So knowing that, it'd be like, okay, A, I know he's going to be very sharp at that aspect. But then B, I really was banking on the fact that his defense would not be set up for defend kicks at all because they were very rarely being thrown at him at practice. Mm. So, I, but I did actually kind of over-prepare for Roy. Um, you know, now that I know I'm going into a coaching position with my daughter, I've taken that aspect of breaking fighters down and game planning a lot more seriously, watching my film, watching their film. And I, we assumed that once I started attacking that lead leg, that him coming forward, as you can see how many straight lefts I landed, that was to keep him from blitzing, knowing that I still have an extremely fast reaction time. That's why I was able to slip his punches and move the way I was. And every time he came in, I was just going to beat him with a straight left. Um, that was to keep him off. But we thought he would make some adjustments uh, off the kick. And, uh, you know, start checking it more, mm -hmm. uh, maybe being a little bit more deliberate, uh, you know, and changing the angle of the right hand. But uh, really, uh, throughout the whole fight, he never did. Uh, and then I also expected him to want to wrestle more. I really thought he was going to come in with a shot, go for a takedown. Uh, once he hit him, uh, that, you know, you're not going to beat me in a stand-up fight. It's just that, you know, not when I'm in shape. I mean, really, stand-up wise, I am one of the best strikers in the world in the heavyweight division technical uh i know how to kickbox better than most i could break it down you can hear i speak the only thing that ever gets me in trouble is if i'm not in shape 
well, then I can't execute what I, I, I very much know what to do over a long period of time or, and then take risks or whatnot. But now working with Mel over Game Changers, uh, having Princey there in the corner, my dad, you know, and, and Bella, like, uh, really, I feel like it's real complete. Uh, I would like to add, you know, like, you know, you talk about what would you like to do more going into the future? I feel like working at Drysdale's uh, Jiu Jitsu, mm. uh, you know, my, you know, hell, that's why you go there, right? It's mm-hmm. one of the best in the world you can mm-hmm. train at. Um, John Wood is a great MMA gym, you know, one of the top you can go to. Uh, so great MMA sparring, working with him, Tom Lawler, and all those guys, you know, Wood's team. But I, I want to get better at my, I think the wrestling, I need a, another wrestling coach. Uh, I might still, uh, uh, Still Royce. I think Glenn is a good wrestling coach and he got the takedown on me at the last end. So obviously he was doing something well, even after getting beat up for, uh, you know, 14 minutes and 45 seconds, mm-hmm. Roy was able to secure that double leg against the cage. Um, and it actually caught me by surprise because in all reality, when he shot, I was like, Oh, that is a horrible tactical move. Like it took me a second to not, almost like not stop laughing. I'm like, you have 10 seconds left. Do you think you're going to take me down and submit me in 10 seconds? Uh, you know, and then, uh, so I, I kind of hugged him and brought him shot and I held it there. And then when he switched over, I was like, oh yeah, I need to defend this, but it was too little too late. And he was able to get his hands connected. But even when he was taking me down, I was like, all right, I'm not even give my neck. I'm just going to hug him and bring him in knowing that the time was on my side. So do you think funny as it is going back when the judges called out 29, 28, I'm like, really? The one takedown mm-hmm. after that whole... And I went back and watched the round. I landed left hands, right up cuts, uh, a ton of kicks. I landed way more the significant damage. And one takedown, two of the three judges gave him the round. So maybe Roy is smarter than I am when it comes to that because I wouldn't have thought that counted. Well, I, went around. I, I wouldn't have counted it if I were the judge, but I get the theory of doing it if if nothing else is really working out. I mean, no, I don't think anybody thought you were going to get submitted in 10 seconds, but I get the, the, you know, the gamble, I guess is maybe a way to put it of, Hey, you know, you hit a takedown, see what happens. Maybe one of the judges throws you around. But at that point, that's also still not a recipe for victory. Cause you have to know that you're down two and a half rounds at that point. Do you think, right. um, you know, you're talking about throwing those those lead leg, those uh, inside leg kicks, and maybe thinking that Roy would adjust and check them. In a fighter's mind, especially somebody that's experienced as as you are at your level, is there a point where you instinctively realize one, this game plan is going to work, and two, it maybe he's it's too late for him to make any adjustments because now I've beaten that leg up to where. All he's really going to have to think about is starting to switch stances. You know, is it? Do you know what I'm saying? Is it like the fourth kick? Is it the fifth kick? Where are you enough in that moment where even in the fight you go, oh, okay, now now I know right where we are. Well, about halfway through the first round, you know, I, I tried, you know, I tried to pinch. My corner yells me the time, and I looked up too, just because there's, you know, you want to have, uh, you know, an understanding of, you know, what's going on. Okay. How far? So I looked up and like, okay, we're halfway through the round. Um, I could, if I want to now, I'll start throwing kicks above the, the head, you know, above the shoulders. You know, there's certain parts of my game plan that open up as the round goes on. Mm-hmm. And then I just remember thinking, I'm like, I, I'm just going to keep sticking to this. Because at first I was like, well, you know what? Let me start faking it here going there. I'm all, 
and I could hear people yelling, you know, throw it to the head. And in my brain, I'm like, yes, if he was blocking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fake the leg and then go up top. But the problem was is that it was scoring. So really, he wasn't like he was sacrificing position to defend the low kick that would open him up to the high kick uh, or, or mid-level kick. Yeah. Because he just kept taking the low kick. I remember even afterwards, like in between rounds, like I sat there for a second. And I was like, wow, this is hard. Like I've never had to make an adjustment for not making an adjustment. Mm. Like I, I've trained and it actually kind of was a little confusing to me for a second because usually there's a progression of work, you know, like, uh, okay, this is starting to work. And now when you, when you catch on to that, it's going to flip on to the next move. Now this flows into this and then if you stop that i can go back to this or fake that or, and then we're going to add this layer is going to start adding on and with with roy it was like wow I, i'm really going to just do the same thing over and over again and not have to worry about adding the secondary or, or third you know part of our game game plan mm-hmm. which at first i was like you know just stay patient man just stay patient just stay patient just stay patient which was uh, you know pain was going through my mind the whole time yeah, and one thing about when someone doesn't check leg kicks like that, there's there's just, you know, it one kick is all of a sudden the point of no return, and you never know when that's going to be. So it's the kind of thing where it's like if you don't start checking them early, you never know which one's going to be the one that is one too many. But once somebody can't put weight down on that leg, and to me, once they even start thinking about switching stances, now you've passed that point. Do you know what I'm saying? Like now Correct. the, the yeah, equation is com- yeah, it's forever altered. Yeah, and, and he never – I mean, and then I saw what his adjustment was going to be was lighten his left leg so he can load up on his right so that when I hit it, it wasn't anchored to the ground, so it wouldn't hurt him as much, I guess, as his mindset. Yeah. Uh, and which it would take less. It does hurt the joint less. I can blow your knee out if your foot's on the ground. Mm. kind of hard to blow someone's knee out if their foot's in the air mm-hmm. because they kind of need your foot to be stabilized in the ground. I mean, anybody who watched football back in the you know, 80s, 90s knows, you know, early part of this century, turf was horrible on guys' knees because their feet would stick to the ground and they would turn and twist. And that would allow, you know, the, 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 there had to be something to give. Well, it was the knee. Mm. Well, if you let your foot go light, well, guess what? The energy is dissipating out. Now the impact still hurts, but it, the, the, the risk of, you know, me tearing your knee is a lot less. You're not yeah. going to get the, uh, you know, Pedro Hizzo, what was it? Tank Abbott fight. I think he popped his knee out like that. Inside mm. kicks. Mm-hmm. I forgot yeah. who Hizzo was beating up real bad that way. But anyways, yeah um so but uh when i saw that he was just gonna try to hit me with basically on one foot i was like all right that's great exchange i'll kick you in the leg you try to punch me while you're standing on one leg Uh, works for me and really honestly i i just kept looking for if you if you just would have jump on my leg like basically as the head inside or the leg inside roundhouse game just drop down to a head inside or even a head outside single on that leg of mine mm. and uh you know and, and turn into a wrestling match because you know even one takedown well look i mean look what one takedown did for him and the thing like then it becomes riskier you're making me pay for throwing something and that's the one thing that vital mistake that he made in the fight 
is there was no price for me to pay, throw that inside leg kick. Yeah. There wasn't like any near misses. There was no takedowns. There, he couldn't score points. He couldn't do damage. So what's going to cause me not to want to throw it? You're not going to block it and not make me pay for throwing it. I mean, that's like, I mean, that's almost like fighting one-on-one. We sit there and go, okay, the guy does something. You got to make it to where he doesn't want to do that to you again. Well, what are we going to do? Well, you can block it. You can hit him immediately afterwards. You know, maybe take him down and, and wear him out. So now he knows he's giving up points by doing that. Finally, just, you know, swing for the fences was uh, crazy. It's funny. I was watching you throw that inside leg kick repeatedly. And I was thinking about how that was your game plan for my fight. And I was thinking to myself, oh, this is what it looks like when somebody follows the game plan. It's funny enough, <laughs> just so people at home know that we're not joking, that was the kick that I told Richard to throw <laughs> if Darnell came in and threw a, you know, a barrage of punches. Yeah. Where he was just like, well, hey, if you kick out his lead leg, he's not going to be able to throw punches. Yeah. Well, it it I remembered it at least, even if uh, I couldn't execute it in the fight. It it uh, the advice stuck with me. How about the uh, the uh, take us through the uh, the the strategy of the elusive Frank Mir spinning back kick? We don't see those yeah. all the time. No, I mean you know, look, I've been doing Kimpo karate since I was four years old, so you know, throwing I even threw a spin hook kick, but he jammed it. Mm. Uh, uh, later on, I think third round I might have thrown it. Mm. But, uh, you know, I have capability of throwing different kicks. But uh, I've had trainers in the past that have always been like, ah, that's garbage. You know, if it isn't tie boxing or boxing, it's not worth its grain, you know, not worth throwing in an MMA fight. And uh, that's one thing that having my father around. And also, too, look, I, I started seeing, you know, guys 10 years ago, the Machida, you know, uh, Wonder Boy, you know, Thompson. I'm like, wait a minute, all these techniques you guys told me don't work. They work very well. Yeah, no. And and if nothing else, you know, throwing throwing curveballs in there like that, especially when somebody is dealing with adversity, has got to just give them one more thing to think about or to throw the rhythm off of the timing or anything else. Yep. And that was just my way, too. I think I threw a different, you know, if sometimes when I missed, I didn't go all the way through. Sometimes... I'm throwing so hard that I know that, you know, guys will say, hey, you shouldn't give your back. But I'm like, hey, man, I'm, I don't think you realize the size of my leg. And once I get it moving, <laughs> it's yeah. not easy to get back. So using momentum just to keep spinning and be like, all right. But, I mean, my back might be a dangerous area to go. That's why even there, you can see the progression of how I think. Yeah. I threw a spin sidekick, right? Yeah. Then I think it was later on in the second or third round, uh, I spun again. But this time my elbow came out. I threw a spinning back elbow. Mm, mm-hmm. And it missed because he didn't charge in. But that's because in my brain, I think, okay, you saw me do a spin sidekick once. You see me spin again. If you jump in, you'll jam my kick and take my back. But if you jump in and I throw an elbow, so that's just part of being elusive and, and changing up the game plan. I mean, even if you're striking everybody out with a fastball, you, you want to change it up a little bit to keep guys on their toes. Yeah. You mentioned to me when we talked right after the fight, um, speaking of hard shots, you, you told me that uh, uh, Roy can still take a hard shot. I mean, you, you talked about hitting him and him not even moving at some point, right? Yeah. Uh, basically, I'm going to just call it the blast. That yeah. lead punch that I throw, I, you see guys see me, some guys call it a long uppercut, some guys call it a, you know, a, a, a Chavez jab, uh, you know, 
Camacho jab, I think is what uh, Princey calls it. Mm-hmm. You know, where basically my thumb is pointing towards the ceiling and I throw kind of a lead strike that initiates with my elbow starting at my hip. Uh, it's a Kempo strike, you know, very much like the one-inch punch that Bruce Lee threw. Mm. But I'm throwing it to the head, and I, and I really love throwing it after I throw my straight left because it's a faster point A to point B as far as less distance than a hook punch. And most guys in MMA don't block uh, conventional with a shield. Now, if you shield block me like they do in boxing and kickboxing, then I probably would use a lot more hooks off the lead side because I can go around your glove. Mm-hmm. But the way most guys in our sport defend, if they don't move their head, their hands can't block it. So I just split their gloves or split their hands uh, with my lead hand. And I landed. And, and then came with that lead punch blast. And my wrist, I felt it even just kind of pop for a second. I was like, ow! And mm. that's why I even like stepped back and I see them step back. And I was like, and I almost wanted like, sometimes knowing a guy, I almost was like, bro, that hurt my hand. I know that hurts your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, it, like I said, it was nice just to watch the whole game plan come together and to see you look as good as you looked. You look like you were in great shape. It also looked like, I mean, I, I, Assuming even though the fight went the distance, it didn't seem like you were feeling any uh, cardiovascular effects. Everything good? No, there? Yeah. I, no, and I even talked to Mel afterwards, uh, my conditioning guy, mm-hmm. strength and conditioning coach, and I told him I said, "Dude, they could have went two more rounds. I had no problem." Like, mm. and, and if I tell people my conditioning workouts have been were brutal, mm-hmm. ridiculously hard. I mean, those times, honestly, this was a couple times I would sit in bed and almost be in tears. I was in so much anguish. Uh, after some of our sessions but uh you know it pays off i enjoy being there my kids are there working out too in the same room so that's definitely like uh, i'm taking this week off and then next week we'll be back at mel's uh at least three times a week keeping up a level of conditioning and building some more speed and power uh i was really happy with how i felt in the fight like i was you know i mean in the first round i didn't even sit on the bench yeah sit on the stool you know what i mean like they came in there you know there was a little bit of confusion on who brought the stool and i was like eh, i don't care i'll stand I just put my hands on the fence and, all right, now what's going on? You know, what are you guys seeing? That's awesome. I also, uh, I, I I don't know if you've had a chance to watch the actual broadcast back yet or not, but uh, it was nice to see Bella get uh, a, a good amount of attention there as well. That's got to be pretty cool to see. Yeah, no, I was happy that, you know, uh, Bella's, you know, you know it's, it's working. I'm putting her out there and, you know, because of the person she is and the hard work that she does and, you know, and her composure under fire. She's getting a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of attention on her now, uh, you know, and obviously, you know, uh, uh, Goldie and John were you know, very gracious and helped them. And, uh, you know, and they even announced to you see that uh, at the beginning of the fight, you know, cornered by Bellamere. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I even had to like break out of fight zone for a second, give him a wink. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. That was that was very, very cool. All right, now let's talk about, uh, I mean, obviously what's next is Disneyland. And then, uh, like you said, you want to take a week off and then back at it. So what after that? you have any thoughts about uh, where the, where, what the next fight is or w- the direction you'd like to head or any, any thoughts on that? No, I mean, honestly, we're going to get back, get back to training, staying in shape. Uh, I, I still think I have a little bit more body fat to lose. I mean, in this fight, I was like 17% body fat my last test at 270-ish pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
I want to be stay in the 270s but be under 15% body fat. I think a lot of that's going to do now is just my diet because, I mean, I'm burning the calories. I'm putting the work from the sun up to sun down. Uh, you know, Jennifer and I, the kids now, we've probably been pescatarian for about a year. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think last night I texted you, finally, Austin and, and, uh, and uh, uh, James were telling me about the, uh, the Game Changer, yeah. the movie, uh, James Wilkes. And uh, we watched that last night. My wife and I were like, well, looks like fish is gone too now. Uh, a couple of the questions that, you know, we always had about proteins and stuff, and it just it really opened up our eyes that, you know, uh, we, you know, we already don't eat dairy, and we very rarely, after, you know, a very small occasions of our holidays, eat any four-legged animals. You know, we very much eat a fish uh, and plant-based diet, but, um, you know, I think that the next step is, is that, and it might help out more, even help increase my, uh, you know, my... Uh, uh, body even to get leaner that documentary game changers it's on netflix if anybody wants to stream it was unbelievable i watched it and uh james wilkes of course former uh ufc fighter it's basically his documentary and he's interviewing uh a bunch of athletes from a bunch of different sports uh, about uh being plant-based being vegans and I guess the Tennessee Titans now are up to like what they say fourteen vegans on yeah. their team. Uh, yeah, best season they had fourteen vegans. Yes, the whole uh, defensive line. I mean, they're talking to yeah. Olympians. That strong man, that guy they had that that yeah. broke the world record for uh, uh, strong strong man uh, care, competition. Yeah. Oh, that was unbelievable. Um, Nate Diaz, of course, is featured. Anyway, everybody should check that out if you want to see what Frank and I are talking about because we were both just completely blown away by it. Uh, so I think that's good because, you know, it's um, – I think a lot of times a fighter will be way too focused on what person is next as opposed to a fitness goal or a training goal. And it sounds like you're, you know, we'll see what they offer you, but it sounds like what you're committed to doing as soon as uh, next week rolls around is just making sure that you're physically even a better version of yourself than you are now for when the phone rings and they offer you the next fight. Absolutely. Uh, You know, and that's why, you know, it doesn't take anything away. And and I hope no one, none of Roy's fans ever took that as an insult when, you know, leading up to this fight, people keep asking me, like, what does this fight mean to you? And I think I could be fighting for the heavyweight title again, and I'll be like, nothing. Mm. You know, that's really the answer I want to give. But I don't think people are going to, they think that's insulting, but it's like, guys, it's not about the guy in front of you. It's you. It's me. That's the person that I'm battling when I walk into that cage, mm. when I lead up to it. You know, That's the guy in the hotel room that's mindly, mind-bogglingly nervous and and thinking about things, and, and that's the guy I have to, you know, control and be like, no, I don't care how scared we get or how nervous we are about being in front of that many people. We're going to execute A, B, and C, and this is what we've done, and this is why, and, and then talk myself into it again, hour after hour, it's that internal dialogue and battle, and that's, you know, go out there and, and, and just my anxiety of like, well, am I going to showcase how good I really am? And, you know, and that really is one of my greatest fears is just not fighting into my ability. So, Whoever you put in there with me, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm not consumed with opponents. I think too many people, they don't want to address the real creature. And that's themselves. Yeah. Because it's a never-ending project, right? Yeah. You would rather compare yourself to somebody else. Because it's a real quick, easy, well, look, I'm better than him. Well, I'm better than them. Mm-hmm. I think people do it all the time. I sit there and go, hey, man, you eat like shit. Well, at least I don't yep. like so-and-so. 
you know, like, well, who did you beat or who are you better than? Like, our culture too much is that way. And, and honestly, it doesn't matter. I mean, what? I, I shouldn't train anymore because I can pretty much walk into any bar in the U.S. and kick everybody's ass? What does that really mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, does that really mean anything? It, it, it's zero. Can I beat myself? And more often than not, I don't. I lose all the time. And that's the guy that I'm constantly, that, that's, that's what my fights mean to me. That's what this path means. You know what? I, I actually feel like, you tell me if this is a bridge too far, but actually now that I've done this a couple of times, I feel like in a relative way, I can actually say, I know what you mean, because that was exactly my experience in terms of what you're talking about, that fight with yourself. Like, as much as you don't like getting hit in the face or anything like that, I can look back on it and go, no, the the victory was getting, like you said, committing to the training, not letting yourself take a shortcut, um, fighting that battle with yourself. In fact, the picture that I posted um, on my Instagram of uh, for you know your fight day, one of them was from the weigh-ins at uh, when you fought Fedor, but the other was a picture of you talking to me right before. I fought a couple of weeks ago and it meant so much to me because I knew exactly what I was thinking in that picture. And what I was thinking is what the hell am I doing? Like, like this, Oh, who, whose idea was this? Oh, it was mine. You know, but that's where that fight is taking place. It's what you're talking about. That fight within yourself. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because it's even a bigger demon now than when I first started, mm. you know, and I think that might scare some people to be like, wait a minute, this isn't going to get easier. Yeah. I'm all, well, I caught my stride and some aspects are easier, but now, now I have more people than not that are like, well, I mean, you've won titles, you're in the hall of fame, you've made money. Why are you still doing this? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think two or three times I was asked that in the post fight interview, like what keeps you going? Why? Why? Like, no one would blame me. I mean, if I retired right now, I said, okay, guys, I'm done. There isn't like there'll be a lot of uproar, like, you know, well, you, know, you called it too soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I think right. most people be like, well, that was a pretty long career. Yeah. I mean, I've been fighting professionally since 2001 in a UFC or equal level capacity. Yeah. Yeah, no. I don't think anybody would either. But uh, I think that, and that's another nice thing about this fight, was, again, it would have been great to win any kind of way you won. But I think just to look as good as you did, to clearly have a game plan that you were able to physically execute and have your 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 mind on top of what was happening in the fight, I think obviously had to show you that there's, you know, to, to use a cliche, uh, still a good amount of, you know, tread left on the tires or whatever whatever analogy you want to yeah. use, right? No, I mean, I think that I showed that I feel pretty good. Um, I mean, and that's what, I mean, uh, I'll disclose it now. I mean, my left, my labrum is torn pretty severely mm. uh, to the point where I was, you know, surgery was on the table. And I, I talked to different people and I opted not to. That's one of the reasons why I'm going to uh, to do the stem cell down in, um, in, in Columbia with, you know, with bioaccelerator. Uh, if I'm not warmed up and I don't have a, a decent amount of... Uh, CBD and cream in my system, or if I don't have the adrenaline of getting ready to walk into a, a cage and fight somebody, uh, I, can, I can't even comb my hair, do anything with my left arm. You know, it hinges at the elbow and stays in. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know it, it's actually made me a better puncher 
because I completely throw punches with my hips now and I twist my upper body, my thorax. Yeah. I can't, uh, I can't throw an arm punch without wanting to scream, uh, you know, with, with pain. And so, um, you know, the, we all have our, you know, even with that, you know, I have room to improve and, and fix up some of my injuries. You know, that, that's really what I'm looking forward to, to do here in the next month, you know? Yeah. Well, once again, congratulations. It was fantastic. And, uh, you know, I know you were hot and cold about the fight uh, when it got announced as far as it being Roy and you didn't think it was maybe going to be the necessarily the formula for the most exciting fight. But I have to tell you, if I were wearing a promoter's hat, I would be very happy with this. And as your friend, I think it was great because it put you in a main event. It put you against a marquee opponent. Uh, against a guy who, you know, is known to have some highlight reel knockouts and he didn't get one on you. And, in fact, you were able to run the clinic on him. So I think from from a promotional standpoint, it just made a whole lot of sense. And I think it created some some excitement to talk about uh, your next fight. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, and I said it, I think, in the post-fight interview, you know, hopefully staying in shape and stuff and, uh, you know, and, uh, no other major injuries come up and fix the ones I do have. Uh, I'll be able to, um, uh, you know, just kind of be in the, uh, the woodworks for uh, maybe yeah. if uh, something happens with Quentin and, and, and Fedor needs another fight. Because that's when I, especially now, you can see how I don't, you know, throw the overhand left like I, I did in that fight. You know, even in this one showed that, you know, like, hey, I, I know I, I lost my composure in that fight, but let me show that I can keep my composure for 15 minutes. And I'd be really excited to get that one back with Fedor. I like that. And I think there'd be a lot of people who'd be interested in that because, you know, Chael, um, uh, I, I think I told you he texted me this right after the Fedor, uh, the, your fight with Fedor. He declared it the best short fight he'd ever seen, the or the most yeah. the most fun short fight or something like that. He put it a certain yeah, I think way. He said the, the most exciting one minute fight he ever saw. Yeah, but you know, you dropped him. He dropped you. I mean, I you watch that back. I don't think there's anybody who would say there wouldn't be uh, a lot of interest in in seeing it repeated. So, uh, yeah, that's one to keep. And, and it's also great incentive, like you said, to keep in shape because, um, that fight is coming up at the end of the year and it's completely plausible that, you know, for one reason or another, somebody might, uh, uh fall out of that and rampages, uh, place. So yeah, great reason to stay in shape. Well, you can worry about that starting next week because you are headed to Disneyland. It's the Halloween party. We were just there, uh, when did we go? Last uh, week we were there on Thursday. We did the fastest Disneyland trip ever. We were there for about 12 hours, Jennifer and I were. But we had a great time. That's the second time you've done it that way, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. In, we've done been that. Disneyland all day and then drive back, right? Yeah, we've done that a number of times. But honestly, usually when we do, we were pretty much there all day. This time we were only there like 11 or 12 hours. But we wanted to see it all decorated for Halloween and everything, and I know that's why you guys are going. Because you guys are actually doing the, the Halloween party that they do, right? Yeah. Uh, tomorrow night, Monday, we'll be at the Halloween party. And um, we're, you know, going uh, this year as our classic monsters. Mm. So by the time this, uh, our podcast release, we'll probably already, Mrs. Muir will have up some pictures of our, uh, our family decked out. Yeah, that'll be great. She uh, she's told me before that she likes it. It's it's cool when you guys go for Halloween because you're in uh, costume. So uh, not that you don't mind stopping and taking pictures with people and stuff like that, but it's actually your opportunity to kind of be incognito. Yeah, 
Um, you know what's funny though is Jennifer does such a good job on her costumes. That happened the very first year we went. I think we went to Dallas in Wonderland and everybody the team. And mm-hmm. so I was the Mad Hatter. My face is all white and I had a hat on and I think a wig. Mm-hmm. Did I have a wig? Yeah. And uh I was shocked because people kept stopping to take a picture. And it wasn't probably until the fourth or fifth time I was like, Oh, you just like my costume. Yeah. You have no idea who I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of like, uh, yes, I didn't have to stop to take pictures because no one knew who I was. But then because Jennifer did such a good job with the yeah. costumes that we had to stop and take pictures of people. <laughs> that is funny. All right. Now, I am a uh, huge fan of the Universal Classic Monsters. So this sounds like this was right up my alley. Who Who is being what? Who? Which, which mirror family member is what monster? Well, Jennifer and I are going to be uh, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Frankenstein. Good one. So I'll be the monster of Frankenstein, and, uh, and Jennifer's going to be the bride of Frankenstein. Right. You've, you've got the build for that, so that's a good yeah, call. Yeah, I can pull it off. Yeah, it's a good call. And then uh, both uh, Cage and Bella are going to be werewolves. Okay. And Ronan. And Addie and your niece are mummies. Yes, uh, and Addison also my niece. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronan, uh, they're going to be uh, mummies. Okay. And Marcus, Braden, and Marcus and his uh, Braden and Rachel daughter-in-law is going to be uh, vampires. vampires. Yeah. My sister, your sister-in-law is going to be Phantom of the Opera. And then uh, my sister-in-law is going to be Phantom of the Opera. Excellent. Which I think it's kind of really stretching the classic monster. No, but if you look it up, it's oh, is it okay? It's yeah, no. Yeah, no. Richard's on your side. He believes you. Yeah, yeah Phantom of the Opera under, is covered. Under classic monster. Yeah, the only. Cool. The, yeah. just, we need the creature from the Black yep. Lagoon. That's the only omission. Know, we, but we just didn't have another dog. Yeah, you should have had another kid somewhere along the way. So that's your fault. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, maybe is it too late for that? Well, yeah, between, <laughs> <laughs> if Mrs. Muir were to get pregnant, she better go into hiding. Uh, all of a sudden, people will be like, why is Frank fighting into his 50s? Well, they had yeah. another kid, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, Isn't Frank fixed? You're like, woof, long <laughs> conversation on that one. <laughs> All right. Well, I will. Uh, I'll let you guys officially uh, transition into vacation mode. There, you guys have a great time, and then uh, when you get back, we'll be back in studio for a proper podcast. Yeah. All right, man. Sounds awesome. Yep. I'll see you. Uh, we're gonna get back Wednesday night. Yeah. So, uh, Thursday. Let's be up to, and we'll do a, get a podcast in so we can be on camera and and uh, have a little more of a breakdown. Let's do that. All right. All right. Thanks, man. Tell the family hello, and we'll see you when you get back. I will, man. Thank you. Bye, Richie. Everybody was Kung Fu.